you've reached the Conservative Hippie Podcast, a common sense look at life, the universe, and everything. Here's your host, Jay Frat, the Conservative Hippie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. Hello. How are you all doing today? I know it's been a long time, hasn't it? I got stuck on episode 111. Imagine that. But volunteering, the beautiful Pacific Northwest summer, and a few other things got me jammed up. And I haven't done a podcast in a while, uh, but this is a volunteer effort. And I always um, said it's the content that matters, not the frequency. The opposite of what the grifters will tell you to fully monetize and, and extract the most money and popularity is you got to go for consistency and frequency. And what I've often seen from creators like that is sometimes the quality of the content is lost. Uh, as they're constantly trying to produce content for the sake of producing content. So I forgive myself for this long hiatus, and I want to say hello to you once again. Um, One of the things that got me jammed up that was uh, uh, kind of uh, weird psychologically was I got banned from YouTube. I tried to produce episode 112, and it was a video, and a little bit of an artistic uh, effort, and it got me banned from YouTube. And that kind of um, threw me for a little bit of a loop, kind of made me pause, reconsider things. This was way back in May, and I did a video that featured uh, Larry Sinclair and some extortion 17 whistleblowers and family, and was kind of trying to tie a few things together. And that never made the light of day. However, fast forward a few months, and all of a sudden, Larry Sinclair is in the news, and I would imagine Extraction 17 is going to be following short behind. So what brought me back uh, to the microphone? Well, I want to thank my friend, my buddy, as he puts it, which is a more uh, correct description, my buddy, Johnny Vedmore. Um, He was the only journalist who was uh, concerned and curious about the Eric John Burner presidential candidacy um, and campaign. Uh, He brought me back on his podcast, the News Paste podcast, and we had a scattershot discussion hitting all kinds of different topics. And I wanted to come back to share a few things that I didn't get to fully express in that particular interview um, of some of the major discoveries I've made and or uh, information, um, important information um, to help see the world through a certain lens that I've made along the way. That's, a, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, I want to try to share a little bit more about how I came to see the world as I do and where I've journeyed as far as investigations. And wow, we've got a lot of great interviews stacked up over the next um, few weeks and or a couple months. So I'm excited to get back in the chair, back on the microphone once again. But tonight, today, this episode, we are going to be discussing Signature Reduction and that program that is operating in the world on behalf of the Department of Defense. 
and it all stems back from one article and one author. And so I always want you to be careful, as I am, when you get information that seems to be secret and or um, illuminating, and yet it it comes from one source, it comes from anonymous sourcing, it comes from uh, investigations of people that can't be reached. Always be careful with that. And this article was written by William M. Arkin, and it was uh, done in Newsweek all the way back in 2017. But that article is relevant today. And often I see people referencing that article with their information, but they don't quote the article. They, they, they speak about it as if it were fact. And so I want to give you that article today. I want to discuss it today. I want to let you know that I have reached out to William Arkin. Um, he is a, an award-winning military uh, reporter, journalist, and um, he has uh, not gotten back to me. And I know he's seen my correspondence, so that, uh, you know, it's, it's one factor we have to uh, put into this, um, that he's not willing to come on um, and discuss his work uh, with us small-time reality investigators, uh, if you will. Um, but I don't see him speaking very often, only on large platforms, um, like I think uh, he's, he's been on the NPR Um, things like that, with dubious characters in the media. So what I'm trying to say is we're going to go through this today, and at some points I might touch on the fact that we have to be careful about information packets that are purposely being delivered to us um, to guide, nudge, or uh, compartmentalize us. And so that's, uh, that's what we're going to do today. Um, it's a fascinating article. It uncovers something that most of the United States population, most of the world population is unaware of. Um, and, I, and I'm excited to talk about it. I've referenced it many times in uh, my podcast and on other people's podcasts. And uh, we need to go through it. You need to um, see this particular article and what it's talking about and the ramifications um, if you extend it, if you extend this lens out into our modern zeitgeist on why things are so crazy, why things, why you can get so much information um, that's conflicting and you get different siloed pockets of society that believe wholly in one particular structure, if you will. So here we go. We're going to start the article. I'm using my uh, uh, conservative hippie news news desk to help deliver this particular article, and let's have a discussion. Um, one more thing, if you're not following me on Twitter, at jfrat, I'm going to try to release a video soon. I might release it on Odyssey and then put it on Twitter, but it's not going to be an audio podcast. It's going to be a video. So you have to be uh, following theconservativehippie.com or you have to be following me on Twitter at jfrat to see it, where I'm going to give the conceptual illustration that I was given by a social engineer 
on how a way to look at compartmentalization and a way to see these warring factions. If you if you're on Twitter or or you can see it come out in the news media even, where you've got these people that almost seem like they're diametrically opposed and yet they're part of the same construct and how compartmentalization works. I was uh, I was given this illustration it, it matched conceptually to the way that I would see it and so I want to give that also um, to the world to help you see from the lens that I see and it's quite interesting because it it, it flows in with our algorithmic universe and how our independent fractalized reality also might work within others as well all right, there you go. That was a mouthful. Reasons to follow the conservativehippie.com and at JFrad on Twitter. Let's get to this show. Exclusive. Inside the Military Secret Undercover Army. Newsweek. By William M. Arkin. The largest undercover force the world has ever known is the one created by the Pentagon over the past decade. Some 60,000 people now belong to this secret army, many working under masked identities and in low profile, all part of a broad program called Signature Reduction. The force, more than 10 times the size of the clandestine elements of the CIA, carries out domestic and foreign assignments, both in military uniforms and under civilian cover, in real life and online, sometimes hiding in private businesses and consultancies, some of them household name companies. The unprecedented shift has placed an ever greater number of soldiers, civilians, and contractors working under false identities, partly as a natural result in the growth of secret special forces, but also as an intentional response to the challenges of traveling and operating in an increasingly transparent world. The explosion of Pentagon cyber warfare, moreover, has led to thousands of spies who carry out their day-to-day -day work in various made-up personas, the very type of nefarious operations the United States decries when Russian and Chinese spies do the same. Newsweek's exclusive report on this secret world is the result of a two-year investigation involving the examination of over 600 resumes and 1,000 job postings, dozens of Freedom of Information Act requests, and scores of interviews with participants and defense decision makers. What emerges is a window into not just a little-known sector of the American military, but also a completely unregulated practice. No one knows the program's total size, and the explosion of signature reduction has never been examined for its impact on military policies and culture. Congress has never held a hearing on the subject. And yet the military developing this gigantic clandestine force challenges U.S. laws, the Geneva Conventions, the Code of Military Conduct, and Basic Accountability. The signature reduction effort engages some 130 private companies to administer the new clandestine world. Dozens of little-known and secret government organizations support the program, doling out classified contracts and overseeing publicly unacknowledged operations. Okay, real quick, I want to jump in. I want to make sure you're staying awake during this uh, conservative hippie news desk report retelling reading of this article. 60,000 operating foreign and domestic. I want you to Key in on that. 60,000 operators operating foreign and domestic. Keep this in mind. I point this out often. The DOD is the largest employer in the world employing 
nearly 3 million people. Let's use a comparison. Walmart, in a comparison, employs just over 2 million people. Okay? Next thing they stated, secret organizations that support the Signature Reduction Program using classified contracts. We hear this a lot, at least in my reality investigations, these contractors that are out there. Are these contract are all the contractors considered under the 60,000 uh, strong force umbrella? Are contractors considered employees within that 3 million people figure? Something to think about. All right, let's continue as they start to explain the global reach of signature reduction and justifications. Altogether, the companies pull in over $900 million annually to service the clandestine force, doing everything from creating false documentation and paying the bills and taxes of individuals operating under assumed names to manufacturing disguises and other devices to thwart detection and identification to building invisible devices to photograph and listen in on activity in the most remote corners of the Middle East and Africa. Special operations forces constitute over half the entire signature reduction force, the shadow warriors who pursue terrorists in war zones from Pakistan to West Africa, but also increasingly work in unacknowledged hot spots, including behind enemy lines in places like North Korea and Iran. Military intelligence specialists, collectors, counterintelligence agents, even linguists, make up the second largest element, thousands deployed at any one time with some degree of cover to protect their true identities. The newest and fastest growing group is the clandestine army that never leaves their keyboards. These are the cutting-edge cyberfighters and intelligence collectors who assume false personas online, employing non-attribution and misattribution techniques to hide the who and the where of their online presence while they search for high-value targets and collect what is called publicly accessible information, or even engage in campaigns to influence and manipulate social media. Influence and manipulate social media. These keyboard warriors paid under the Signature Reduction Program. Do you remember um, General Michael Flynn talking about digital soldiers? We have an army of digital soldiers. Okay, start to piece these things together and understand they are talking about foreign conflict, foreign infiltrators, foreign operations, but very much are including domestic work and domestic operations. Also, did you catch where they were discussing masks and uh, invisible cameras and things like that, okay? So start to start to piece these together as you've seen the conflicting information that's put out through mainstream media and those things that don't quite make sense. Could this be uh, the curtain that is covering the wizard? Hundreds work in and for the NSA, but over the past five years, every military intelligence and special operations unit has developed some kind of web operations cell that both collects intelligence and tends to the operational security of its very activities. In the electronic era, a major task of signature reduction is keeping all of the organizations and people, even the automobiles and aircraft involved in the clandestine operations, masked. 
This protective effort entails everything from scrubbing the internet of telltale signs of true identities to planting false information to protect missions and people. As standard unforgettable identification and biometrics have become worldwide norms, the signature reduction industry also works to figure out ways of spoofing and defeating everything from fingerprinting and facial recognition at border crossings to ensuring that undercover operatives can enter and operate in the United States, manipulating official records to ensure that false identities match up. Just as biometrics and real ID are the enemies of clandestine work, so too is the digital exhaust of online life. One major concern of counterterrorism work in the ISIS age is that military families are also vulnerable, another reason, participants say, to operate under false identities. The abundance of online information about individuals, together with some spectacular foreign hacks, has enabled foreign intelligence services to better unmask fake identities of American spies. Signature reduction is thus at the center of not only counterterrorism, but is part of the Pentagon's shift towards great power competition with Russia and China, competition, influence, and disruption below the level of armed conflict, or what the military calls warfare in the gray zone, a space in the peace conflict continuum. One recently retired senior officer responsible for overseeing signature reduction and super-secret special access programs that shield them from scrutiny and compromise says that no one is fully aware of the extent of the program, nor has much consideration been given to the implications for the military institution. Okay, let's just push back here for one second. Let's, let's consider what I was hinting at before, where you can search the internet in all mention of signature reduction leads back to this article. Okay, they're talking about competition and influence, warfare in the gray zone. Then he quotes a, a retired senior officer who was in charge of special reduction. And he says, and he talks about super secret special access programs within signature reduction. Well, doesn't that go against the super secret nature of it? How did he find this retired senior officer? Sounds like a whistleblower to me. Whistleblowers, when they have credibility, come out into the light. So we have to always acknowledge when we are reading or listening to anonymous sourcing. Okay? You you can't you can't put you Anonymous sourcing does not set in concrete for the foundation of a strong building. You must have a whistleblower that comes out so you can see, see their credentials, hear them speak. Just quoting a senior officer who used to be in charge, retired, now who used to be in charge of signature reduction, uh, and then also in the same breath mentioning super secret special access programs, those things don't go together. Now, I just wanted to give that pushback so that we can put that into our heads to always use that lens of possibility and probability. Could be that William Arkin, who's an award-winning journalist and has been covering military uh, operations for a couple decades, could just be he's got really good sourcing, right? And all of this is above-board factual information uh, with the highest of journalistic integrity. 
but we have to keep in mind the other possibility as well. Until I can interview William Arkin, or until this retired military official who was in charge of this clandestine operation operating uh, foreign and domestic, we have to consider all the possibilities. Everything from the status of the Geneva Conventions, where a soldier operating under false identity to be captured by an enemy, to congressional oversight is problematic, he says. He worries that the desire to become more invisible to the enemy not just obscures what the United States is doing around the world, but also makes it more difficult to bring conflicts to a close. Most people haven't even heard of the term signature reduction, let alone what it creates, he says. The officer spoke on condition of anonymity because he is discussing highly classified matters. I decided to skip ahead at this point in the article, and I left out a profile Will Arkin did in an anonymous character. Um, this anonymous character uh, was a former retired Army veteran. He worked for a private company that was a signature reduction contractor. Um, at one point, Will Arkin mentions a Pacific Northwest um, National Public Radio investigation that showed the state of Washington giving driver's licenses um, to uh, the federal government. What's left out by Will Arkin is that that investigation showed uh, the Washington state was issuing driver's licenses for the CIA. And so it's it becomes a bit convoluted within the story on signature reduction, this 60,000-person workforce in detail is being described as a covert operation to help maintain the anonymity of foreign agents, for example, working uh, in the CIA, operating uh, in foreign territories. And this convolution of where they're potentially operating on domestic grounds. M more on that later, but I wanted to skip ahead and leave out this fictitious, anonymous profile. Signature reduction is a term of art. Numerous signature reduction SAPs, programs with names like Hurricane Fan, Island Hopper, and Peanut Chocolate, are administered by a shadowy world of secret organizations that service the clandestine Army, the Defense Program Support Activity, Joint Field Support Center, Army Field Support Center, Personnel Resources Development Office, Office of Military Support, Project Cardinals, and the Special Program Office. Befitting how secret this world is, there is no unclassified definition of signature reduction. The Defense Intelligence Agency, which operates the Defense Clandestine Service and the Defense Cover Office, says that signature reduction is a term of art, one that individuals might use to describe operational security, OPSEC, measures for a variety of activities and operations. In response to Newsweek queries that point out that dozens of people have used the term to refer to this world, DIA suggests that perhaps the Pentagon can help. But the responsible person there, identified as a DOD spokesperson, says only that as it relates to human operations, meaning human intelligence, signature reduction is not an official term and that it is used to describe measures taken to protect operations. Another senior former intelligence official, someone who ran an entire agency and asks not to be named because he is not authorized to speak about clandestine operations, says that signature reduction exists in a twilight between covert and undercover. 
The former, defined in law, is subject to presidential approval and officially belongs to the CIA's National Clandestine Service. The latter connotes strictly law enforcement efforts undertaken by people with a badge. And then there is the Witness Protection Program, administered by the U.S. Marshal Service of the Justice Department, which tends to the fake identities and lives of people who have been resettled in exchange for their cooperation with prosecutors and intelligence agencies. The military doesn't conduct covert operations, the senior former official says, and military personnel don't fight undercover. That is, except when they do either because individuals are assigned, sheep-dipped, to the CIA, or because certain military organizations, particularly those of the Joint Special Operations Command, operate like the CIA, often alongside them in covert status, where people who depend on each other for their lives don't know each other's real names. So let's... That went by a little quick, didn't it? But there was something very important in that. And that's that, sh that term, sheep-dipped. Sheep-dipped, he said quickly. To formally and usually temporarily transfer military equipment or personnel to non-military ownership for the purpose of its employment in covert action with less risk of triggering armed conflict. Now you can see where this blend of signature reduction and how it's applied towards CIA operatives doing clandestine work in foreign lands, and then also for martial services. And then you can see how if signature reduction in the DOD uses private contractors, and so now we've got private companies for profit. How do, they, how do they grow their profits? They gain market share. Well, do they use this expertise? Do they use these services outside of official capacity, meaning for private interest? Now, think about that term sheep-dipped, right, where you take military assets— and you loan them out, essentially, to these private organizations or these clandestine organizations so they're not officially military, but able to carry out work in another capacity. Something to think about. Then there are an increasing number of government investigators, military, FBI, Homeland Security, and even state officials who are not undercover per se, but who avail themselves of signature reduction status like fake IDs and fake license plates when they work domestically, particularly when they are engaged in extreme vetting of American citizens of Arab, South Asian, and increasingly African background who have applied for security clearances. All right, I skipped ahead once again uh, to shorten this up a bit. I skipped past um, get smart, gadget talk, uh, fake masks, fake hands, um, and the application of uh, smart objects uh, for communications. Uh, just didn't apply towards what we were thinking about. Again, I'll have a link um, in the show notes if you want to read the entire art, entire article yourself. Absolutely fascinating read. Um, here's, here's the end of it. We're almost done. We're still in the infancy of our transparent world, says the retired senior officer, cautioning against imagining that there is some identity gap similar to the bomber gap of the Cold War. We're winning this war, including on the cyber side, even if secrecy about what we are doing makes the media portrayal of the Russians again look like they are 10 feet tall. 
He admits that processing big data in the future will likely further impinge on everyone's clandestine operations, but he says the benefits to society, even narrowly in just making terrorist activity and travel that much more difficult, outweigh the difficulties created for military operational security. The officer calls the secrecy legitimate, but says that the Defense Department leadership has dropped the ball in recognizing the big picture. The military services should be asking more questions about the ethics, propriety, and even legality of soldiers being turned into spies and assassins, and what this means for the future. Still, the world of signature reduction keeps growing, evidence, says the retired officer, that modern life is not as transparent as most of us think. That modern life is not as transparent as most of us think. So, why do I point out this article? Uh, it gives a really good lens of a way to look at the structure of influence within our society and the world and the way that these departments are compartmentalized and the force that's applied and how it's contracted out and not your uh, standard soldier who went to the uh, local recruiting office and volunteered, right? Let me give you another example. So one of the military organizations um, that I've paid attention to uh, on my journey the last couple years is the National Reconnaissance Office, the NRO. And even though they were established in 1961, uh, the existence of the office was not declassified until 1992. It's said to have around 3,000 personnel. And once again, this term cadre comes up uh, in the Wikipedia description of National Reconnaissance Office, as they include NRO cadre, Air Force, Army, CIA, NGA, NSA, Navy, and U.S. Space Force personnel, meaning they work with compartments within each of those organizations. A 1996 bipartisan commission report described the NRO as having by far the largest budget of any intelligence agency and virtually no federal workforce, accomplishing most of its work through tens of thousands of defense contractor personnel. So if this signature reduction article showed uh, the workforce that helps uh, keep identities safe and give false identities, um, think of NRO as uh, this contracting force that um, shoots up satellites and helps work with communications for all of those groups, okay? And now the end of this podcast is I'm trying to help see, help you, help describe the lens in which I'm trying to investigate and see the layers that we're dealing with right now um, to help you see the way that I see it, look at this contractor force that is created through the compartmentalization of uh, our DOD defense force. Again, the largest employer in the world, the Department of Defense of the United States of America. So let's think of a defense force, say the army, and they need to execute a mission, so they contract out with a private company, all right, maybe to shoot a video, you might say, 
And that private company then contracts out with individuals and or other organizations how many layers are created before we lose all objectivity on oath of office? Also, how many organizations are created that then participate in these highly specialized skills and take those skills to other avenues for profit? Now I'm thinking of influence operations. Okay, and how those influence military grade influence operations might come to be in the possession of, oh, I don't know, private public relations firms that then create psychological operations to sell product. This is happening. This is happening across. The world, this is happening in the United States, in our zeitgeist. Um, one little factor, think of this, both Fox News and MSNBC, it might have been CNN, uh, they're all the same in the fact that uh, through court litigation it came out that they considered themselves entertainment, not actual news. Plausible deniability within these operations to get you to click, get you to consume. But when we have a world where oligarchs can become as powerful as nations, how do we control this compartmentalization and these layers of contract forces? Something to think about. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Be safe, be bold, Walk with high integrity down a positive path. We love you, Jay. The dude is all right. It's all about community. Come join us. You can find me on Twitter at JFrat. And all episodes of the Conservative Hippie podcast and show notes are published at theconservativehippie.com. And of course, as always, if you want to support this podcast and support your smoking lifestyle, go to smokinjays.com and use coupon code HIPPIE, H-I-P-P-I-E, for 15% off at checkout. Yes.